Alright, three to seven can cut loose. Everybody else open your Bible to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter 5. If you're here and you're a visitor, we seem to have a lot of visitors this morning. I just need to clarify that uh, I know it's 11 o'clock and we start at 10, but we really don't have it posted when we quit. So uh, if you're here and you have something planned or you get hangry or or uh, you got somewhere to go, a job or something, you're not going to bother me a bit if you have to get up and go. And that's not just for visitors, that's for you other folk too. So, looking in Ephesians chapter 5, I want to start off today with a question um, for you. Uh, A question that is obviously the answer to it changes uh, everything uh, in the way that you uh, live and do and worship. And that question is, what what does Jesus mean to you? When you ask that question, before you answer it, don't answer it in a shallow way. Uh, But you have to consider uh, in all that it entails what does the cross mean to you? What does God's mercy, uh, His undeserved love and grace mean to you? Uh, The forgiveness, if you're born again believer, what does His forgiveness and what He did to accomplish that mean? What does His promises and His presence mean to you? What He is... Uh, doing for you not just spiritually but what he has done for you physically uh, when, when I when I think about my relationship to the Lord when I approach God's word I have to answer that question if I approach God's word uh, in the right way and in the right mentality I have to answer what exactly does Jesus mean to me because when we look in Ephesians um, Ephesians chapter 1 2 and 3 basically start off with laying the groundwork for all the things that God has done for us. Everything that Christ has accomplished, all of your identity, all of your basically the benefits, the blessings, the security, <clears throat> the promises that were won for you and supplied to you through the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? And then in, in chapter 4 and 5 and 6... God begins to give us some commands, some things that He calls on us and requires of us to do. And here's the thing, if you don't, if you don't have the right answer to that question, a lot of times what, what we have made, um, Christianity out to be is that we have to live up to certain requirements and we do what we're supposed to. Some people try to gain God's, uh, love through trying to be moral and, uh, and sometimes we read the Bible, we read these and go, I know I ought to, but I don't want to. Uh, because we don't approach it in the right way. Because when you look at at um, chapter 4, and some of this is just off the top of my head, so bear with me this morning while I find my place. Uh, in chapter 4 and verse 25, uh, he talks here, and, he, and often through the book of Ephesians, he says, Therefore, therefore, like in verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify of the Lord, that you no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles or the unsaved world walks in the futility of their mind. And then you look in... In verse 25 and it says therefore so therefore kicks us back to something that he's already said and he's already established and so what he's saying is because of what Christ has done for you because of what Jesus has established you because of what he has given you and offered you therefore 
He says, put away, in verse 25, put away lying. Stop lying. There's some things that here that he calls on us as believers. Uh, in verse 17, I won't cover that because I talked about that last Sunday night. But he says there's some things that we need to put off in our life and some things that we need to put on. Christianity is not a, uh, you know, God being a magician where we pray, a magician, and, and we pray and he does everything. He requires of us that if you want change in your life, then there are things that we have to do. Okay? He supplies everything that we need to do this. He gives us the grace and the power and the truth to accomplish it. But it's more, Christianity is more than just praying. Okay? It's making a change in your life become, because you come to the knowledge of the truth and you recognize what God has for you. And therefore, if you want change in your life, you have areas of your life that are, maybe you're not walking in the will of God. You're not seeing the power and the fulfillment of God in your life. Maybe you've got things that are not good in your life and it's producing misery and destruction, then then it's more than just going, God, please help me. Lord's like, okay, I'm going to help you. Open my word and put on some things and put off some things. Okay? And here he goes through this. He says, number one, put off lying. <clears throat> put away lying. Let each of one of you speak truth to his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let your, don't let your anger control you or, or cause you to respond in a sinful way. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so he gives us a list of things and I think that you could probably find something in that list that each one of us might be wrestling with or dealing with, maybe unforgiveness, malice, anger, you know, lying, stealing, and that kind of stuff in our life. And, and the Lord's like, if you want what I have for you, and, and you want the life that I, that I desire for you, then put these things away. Repentance is more than just saying, God forgive me, God I'm sorry, I did it again, I did it again, I did it again. You know, the Lord's like, I've provided forgiveness through the blood of Jesus, and this sin that you're involved in as a believer, it's wrecking your life. It's not causing God havoc and disturbing the peace of heaven. Sin in our lives it was destroying us, and the reason He says, turn away from it, put it away, cast it, forsake it. Repentance is, God, I'm sorry, and I'm putting this away out of my life. I'm putting it off, and I'm not just stopping or putting it off, but I'm putting something else on in replace of it, something that is good. It's like taking off old trashy clothes, okay, and putting on something new in your life. And that's what He's talking about here when He talks about putting on Christ. Now, here's the thing. You know, I, I think in a lot of ways we, in the last few several years, maybe generation, we've kind of gone about some things in the Christianity in a wrong way, maybe not intentionally. But um, I'll give you a story. I was at a basketball game here a couple of weeks ago, and, <clears throat> and after we, afterwards a man approached me, and I told some of you this already. A man approached me. I was his pastor uh, at a different church back in Denson Springs years ago, and he came up to me, and, and I greeted him. We talked there for a minute. He said, uh, what are you preaching out there at Cedar Creek? Did you change up your preaching? 
And I said, no, you know, what do you, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, my, my son is going to college now, and he was looking for a church down there, and a friend of his uh, who lived here was with him, and he told his friend, he said, you know, we need to find a church. And uh, he said that, that his friend said, well, I'd like to find a church like Randy Guest goes to. I guess Randy knows him. That Randy Guest goes to because his pastor, he doesn't preach on sin and, and on hell and all that kind of stuff. He just preaches God's love and, and God's mercy and God's grace. He said, What's, did you back off of preaching the truth? Really defending me. And I was like, no, no, I haven't, I haven't changed anything. And, and that really has eaten at me the last few weeks. I think about it. I think about it. And so, so here's where I'm at. Um, with that, and I, uh, this, this, gets, this goes to my message, so, so let me show you where, where I'm at. I think for a long time, and, and you know, here's where I'm at. Number one, I preach on sin all the time. If you're sitting here, you'll figure it out. And, 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 but, but, but here's where I'm at as far as preaching, you know, hellfire and brimstone, that kind of stuff. Hell is, a, is absolutely a real place. If you're here this morning, here's the truth. If you die, having never repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, when you die... You die condemned by your own sin. You will die and spend eternity. And for some of you who enjoy this message, you will burn in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever in a conscious state in misery and torment because of your rejection of the good news of Jesus. That's the truth, okay? That's it's horrible. It's one of the things that motivates me, I guess, is, you know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's the bad news, and it's a fact. But I don't want to stand up here at, a, at, a, at the church with people who are hopefully know Christ as your Savior. I know there are always probably lost people here and just continue to hammer you and hammer you for the purpose of driving fear into your heart so that you do what you do out of fear. Because there's a lot of people who have a misconception of salvation and of Christianity because somewhere along the way, hell hot was preached, they were scared, they were fearful. Nobody wants... To die and burn in a devil's hell, you know, and, and to face what, what, what lost people face. Nobody wants that, okay? And if you're here, I don't want to try to scare you. I think there's been a lot of young kids who have been scared and who have put fear in their hearts. You know, you're going to miss the rapture. You're going to die and burn in hell. So what, what do I need to do? Well, here's what you need to do. Jesus loves you. You need to come down front. You need to ask for forgiveness. Say this prayer. And, and then you're saved. And that's it. And now you're going to heaven. And then all of a sudden, when you read the commands of God's Word, you go, I don't, why, why do I want to stop lying? It's so, it's so much easier for me to lie. Right? Come on now. How many of you enjoy? I'll tell us the commands of God, Pastor. Tell me to stop lying because I, just, I, just, I want to stop lying. I love to stop stealing. You know, thinking, come on. The reason people struggle with the commands of God is because they don't know the love of God. You know, you take a person, it's, it's like this. This is, this is the best illustration I, I can come up with. If you take a lady who, uh, and let's say I know something, and I go to this lady, and I go, all right, ma'am, she's a single lady, and I say, there's going to be an economic crisis. America is going to crash, no doubt. You are going to lose your house. You're going to be homeless. You're going to lose your job. You can't pay your bills. You're not going to be able to buy food, and you're going to live in misery and, and fear and worry for the rest of your life. This is what is going to happen, but... There is a man over here that I know who, out of love, is willing to marry you, take you in, provide for you a, a wonderful home, cars. He's going to feed you and take care of you. 
You know, you're not going to have to worry about those things. You don't have to have a job anymore. He, he's going to do everything. And all you have to do is just enter into this agreement with Him and you're taken care of. I think you could convince a lot of ladies to go along with that and go, oh yeah, you know, when, that, when the reality of being homeless and stuck out in the cold not having anything here, they'd be like, just tell me what I need to say. Y'all know where I'm going with this. Tell me what I need to do, okay? And so they, so they make an agreement, and this man agrees to take her on and do all this. But, but what did she make this agreement for? It wasn't out of love. It wasn't a response to his love. It was just, I, I don't want to be homeless. I'd like to have a big, nice mansion on a hilltop. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with this. Is there something that's taking place in my heart towards this man? No, no whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, when another man comes along, and she falls in love with this other man. She leaves this man who she never really cared about. There's a lot of people in the church, they, they recognize they're going to be homeless. They're facing a sinful crisis in their life and they're fixing to be without. And so all of a sudden we come along and present a picture of this is a man who does everything for you. And, and the message of the gospel rather than being the truthful message of yes, we are in a crisis. Yes, I am spiritually bankrupt. But don't skip the whole point. It has robbed you of God's love for you and God loves you so incredibly much just like you are. He wants you first and foremost to respond to that love and to love Him and to enter into a relationship with God based wholly and rooted deeply in the love that Jesus has for your life. Otherwise, all you want is heaven. And there's so many people, I believe, sitting in the church today, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah, I'd like to go to heaven. Get it when I die. And all of a sudden they say these words. They make this agreement so-called with God, praying this prayer, and they never love the Lord never really understand how much Jesus loves you. And so all of a sudden God's word seems very offensive and very foreign to us. And I go, honestly, why would I want to stop lying when I can gain from lying? God's word tells you to. So, I've been forgiven. He'll get over it. I'll ask for forgiveness. Don't we say that? You know, you need to stop, you need to stop your lying and tell the truth. You need to do what? You need to stop stealing. You need to start working. Not so that you can attain, but so what it says, that you might have to give to other people. And these commands to lost people don't make a lot of sense. So I can, I can steal. There's a lot of different ways of stealing, okay? You don't got to go out and get a car and take it to a chop shop. I can steal and have gain. I can lie and make myself look better. I can cover up a lot of stuff that I don't want anybody to know. Why in the world do I want to do these things? And then, here comes the, the, the most difficult thing. It says in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, is that word again? Therefore, be imitators. Your, 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 King James might say followers of God. The word follow actually means to imitate. The word in the Greek means to mimic. Followers. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Why in the world do I want to be like Jesus? You know, because this is the basis of Christianity. The basis of Christianity is when you ask people, and I, I don't even like to ask them, are you saved? Because everybody's saved in America. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. I did that. I'm <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Here's the thing Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you, because here's the thing once you recognize. God's amazing love for you and all that He has done for you. And I got to ask you the question, what does Jesus mean to you? I can tell you a lot about what He means to me. And I think about all that He has done for me in my life. That's why I want to be 
with him, like him, know him because I'm amazed by him. That causes me to go, all right, if the Lord wants me to put away lying, I know that I'm going to put away lying and more that's pleasing to Him and it's good for me. If He wants me to work with my hands, then I want to do that. If He asks me to do this, I want to do this. Why? Because he's, I love Him. Right. And, and here's what a real marriage looks like, okay? Not that I'm trying to exalt our marriage or anything like that, but, but here's the thing. You know, my wife didn't marry me because I was moving her to a mansion on the hilltop. I can guarantee you that. And here's the thing, I, can, I, I know, I don't even have to ask it or wonder. I could say, baby, I'm, I'm, we're moving to Peru. God's called me to Peru. We're going to the dark jungles where even our lives might be threatened. We're going to live in a hut. We're going to run, run around and chase rabbits barefooted with a spear to provide for our home. You know what she'd do? She'd be like, okay, I'm with you. No doubt. I don't even have to question. She wouldn't even have to pray about it. Now, she might tell me to pray about it. <laughs> But I'll tell you right now, it doesn't matter if I said we're going to Chicago, we're going to live in a box and minister to the homeless people. She would be there by my side and I would do the same for her. No matter what, because my relationship to her is wholly based upon love. And it will be a cold day, very cold day, before anything separates us. You know why? Because she didn't marry me because hey, because we've lived in junk and we've lived in nice stuff and nothing's changed. And I drive junk and I've driven nice stuff and nothing changes. It's not about the benefits. And if she gets sick or I get sick and I get fat or bald or whatever, nothing changes there. It wasn't about, yeah, I'll marry you because you, you this so much for me. And what causes me to go, all right, if you want to do this, I'm, I'm ready to do it because, because I'm overwhelmed by how she loves me. And here's the thing. When I, as a believer, come to the place to go, God loves me even more than that. That's what makes me go, I want to imitate God. I want other people to see the Lord in my life because He is so good. And you know, if you don't have that, you might not be saved at all. But when you look at what Christ has done for your life, consider this. Our response to the answer of what does Jesus mean to you, that gives us the desire to know Him more. It affects my worship and my thankfulness. What we just went through here that we call worship, that was your personal response and showing what Jesus means to you. That's what it was. Heaven might have been, you know, zone, who knows, I don't know, maybe heaven opened up when and said, we're going to watch uh, Kevin Warren this morning. He's never in here. You know why? Because he's always serving. But today Kevin's in here. So Lord might have said, I'm gonna, I want to see what I mean to Kevin. And he opened it up and he watched. Now I didn't watch Kevin. I don't know what it was. Lord might went, that's kind of lame. No. <laughs> but you know what? He might look at Kevin and say, man, he loves me. But don't, don't you desire that with your life? Not just worship. But with your life for the Lord to open up the windows of heaven and go, I want everybody's attention. Watch this demonstration of love this week while this person is at work. Watch him worship. When nobody else is around, I want, to li- I want you to listen to her prayer time. Because it is such an outpouring of love towards me. They love me so much because they realize that I love them so much. You remember the story in the Bible of the lady who, who had the uh, alabaster box, you know, a very expensive perfume. Jesus was in the room. Everybody was there. She didn't care. She walks in. She breaks the box open. She bows down. She just pours it on his feet. It was an outpouring of her love and her adoration and her, you know, her, her response to what Christ had done in her life. That's what my life and your life should be if you really 
Love the Lord with all of your heart. My obedience, my thoughts and actions towards other people, my, my, my repentance, my surrender to the Lord, all hinges on the answer of, what does Jesus mean to you? Not your church, not your attendance, not your moral kindness, your obedience and all the good things that you do. It's not about that. Everything that molds my attitudes and my life hinges on what does Jesus mean to you. And so, when you look at this text, and he says, I want you to be an imitator of God. And then in verse 2, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I just changed my message. i got to change that on real quick. I just saw something I didn't see this week. You know, think about this. Um, when I was a little kid, I watched my daddy. I watched how he interacted with people. I watched the way he stood. I watched the way he walked. I watched the way he worked. I listened to the way that he talked. And, and all of those things. And honestly, I, I began to pattern myself that way. You know why? I love my daddy. He's my hero. And I wanted to be just like him. Had so much respect and adoration, even though I did some stupid things. But I love him and respect him. I was like, I want to be just like him. I didn't I didn't try to grow up and do something out of I'm fearful that my daddy's gonna beat the fire out of me or or leave me or kick me to the curb. And so many people got this idea that, you know, I gotta do what I do, I gotta make sure I go to church and I and I do this and I do that and I try this and I stop that because if I don't, God's gonna get me and he's just waiting there to come down on me rather than it being God, you're so good to me. You give me life. You molded me when I was in my mother's womb. You thought of me. Your thoughts are more than the sands of sea for me. That's what your word says. You loved me even while I was a sinner. You died on the cross to display that amazing love for me. You were very patient and kind to me when I was a sinner living in godless rebellion. You were long-suffering and you continued to, to draw me and to, to woo me and to speak the truth to me. And You sent people into my life to love me and to show me your love. Your word continually worked in my heart. When I was in the filthiest places of my life, Lord, you were there with me. You brought me to a place where you raised me up, like the Bible says, out of the miry clay, and you set me on a rock. You give me life. You give me health. You give me an amazing wife. You give me children. You keep me every day. You provide for me. Man, I could just go on and on, and so could you. You give me joy and happiness. You brought me through every trial. In every, every valley I've been through, you were there and you brought me through and you set me up in high places and you blessed me and you provide for me. And on and on and on we could go and talk about the goodness of God that causes me to go, Lord, I want to be like you. I want the world to see you. You know, the Bible talks about not our attendance. Thank you, brother. But on and on when you look in, in the book of Ephesians, it uses that word over and over, walk. Just like it says here, walk in love. How does the world see Jesus? Sees your walk. When you walk with Him, you're imitating Him. You're being like Him. And think of this. It says walk in love. Everything. Everything that roots into our relationship with Jesus revolves around love. Because out of all the things He's done, everything He's done, He did it out of a motive because He loves you. Maybe this is a Joel Osteen message to some of you. Alright? All he does is preach about love. That's right. And here's my defense on that. In Ephesians chapter 4 it says, 
that you that the words that you speak should minister grace, encouragement to the hearers. If God so commands me, doesn't His word do the same? Even if you're here and you're lost today, God doesn't want you to leave, you know, pounded. I just feel so guilty, so bad, so ashamed. That's not grace. Grace is, okay, get over and turn to Jesus because He says, I'll give you mercy, I'll restore you, I'll renew you, I'll raise you up, I'll give you life, I'll make you clean, I'll wash away, I'll establish you, I'll set you, I'll carry you. That's what God's Word does for me. I don't want to leave wallowing guilt and shame. I do that enough on my own. God's Word speaks hope and His Word speaks life. You remember when the angels got the apostles and they set them free out of the prison? They said, now go stand in the temple and speak the words of life. Jesus is all about life. He is all about love. And if you missed that, you missed the whole point to start with. And if you're just, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to and I really don't want to, quit being religious. And quit trying to be so good that you impress God because God's impressed with one thing. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I want to, I want to finish with this right here. Notice what he says in verse 2. He says, Walk in love as Christ also has loved us, given Himself for us. We'll get into this in the next few weeks, but if we would treat our, our spouses that way, if we love the way that Jesus loved and gave Himself for that person, if in our church we love the way Jesus loved and we give ourselves for that person, it's not about what, what we had to offer Him. Get this, you don't have nothing to offer the Lord. He can't benefit from you. Heaven's not just standing up cheering because you did something that just added to it and made it better. God doesn't need anything from us. Well, He is. He's all about giving to us and giving to us and sacrificing us. And notice this. This is how God's love works. This is how Jesus loves right here. He said he, that, he, that He given Himself for an offering. That offering was for us. He loved because He loved us. Even as sinners, offering His life as a sacrifice, died. Do you get that? You ever had anybody else die for you? You ever had, have you, has your life ever been in a situation where I, here I am, I'm, my life is in peril, I'm hinging, I'm gonna die, and somebody came in and went, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you that, you know, liver or that big toe and, and whatever it is that you needed. I'm gonna step in front of you and I took the bullet and I died in your place. Because they loved you that much, probably nobody here. But I wanna tell you something, you had somebody that loved you that died. Gave up his life in a miserable way. Totally humiliated and shamed before the whole world because of one thing. He loved you. And that was the offering. But notice the second thing this says there. As an offering and a sacrifice to God. Say, why should I love people that don't care? Why should I love people who are hateful and spiteful towards me? It's not simply an offering, but it was a sacrifice to God. Jesus said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to show love because that's what my Father wants. His greatest desire because He's so amazed by the Father's go, I want to be pleasing to my Father. I want to walk in His perfect sight. You know, it's awesome that God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And what we do should not only be, oh God, I'm going to do it because you told me to. God, I'm going to do it because these people actually want to respond to it. God, even the people that don't want to respond. Even the people that don't care. This is not about them. I'm doing this for you. Because you've done it for me. God, you're so good to me. And you love me so much. And there are some people 
<clears throat> I love that word. It talks about a sweet aroma. You realize when you do that, when you just show the love of God to somebody, that that's worship. That's your adoration and your response to God's love for you to where it rises up to heaven like a sweet aroma. You ever been in a room when somebody walks in, I bought my wife, you know, some perfume for Christmas and, you know, I got it on sale, I don't know, a buck, 99, something like that, but it smelled good. And she went in there and sprayed the whole bottle on because you couldn't smell it unless you did. But when she walked into the room, I was like, no, I was like, man, that smells, that smells good, you know, I was like, man, I loved it. Isn't that awesome that when you just when you just show the love of Jesus, like, oh, God, I love you so much. Maybe you struggle with, with speaking and witnessing and you don't know the Bible right now. And, and he's like, what can I do, God? I want to show you that I love you. You love me so much. And God, I just want to, I want to show you. And, and all of a sudden you show the love of God to somebody. Maybe you tell the truth when it was easy to lie. Maybe you give when, when, when you could have been selfish and self-centered. Maybe you forgive because Christ forgave you. It would be awesome if that rose up to heaven and God's like, man, that's great. I'm reminded of who my son is. I'm reminded of, of my glory. I see, I see these people. How much do you do that rises to heaven? That brings a smile to God's face? I mean, I, and some people struggle with the whole love of God and you're always beating yourself up. You know, there's, there's, there's no honor in you trying to go to the cross yourself. Some of us go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make up for this sin in my life, and I'm gonna, I don't believe in that whole grace love thing, you know. I think you have to, you have to live it. I hear people, like, and it ain't just about grace and security, you have to live it. You read your Bible, pray, go to church, stop this, start that, go out and witness to a hundred people, and, and memorize and saturate and, and all these different things, and if you do that enough, maybe you'll be good enough and you'll get there. Eh, wrong answer. That's called, I'm going to die on the cross for my own sins. God doesn't honor that. God honors the person who goes, I don't deserve this. That we humble ourselves to go, God, I don't deserve what you've done for me. What I clearly read in the scripture of your great love for me that you offer me freely. But oh God, I'm so amazed by your love. I just want to be like you. And I want the world to see you. And I want the world to know you. And I want the world to have what you've given me, God, because of your love has so radically impacted my life. And I want to challenge you this week that you would start your prayers off like that. So many people go to God or don't go to God because you're separated by your own self-driven guilt and shame and all the things you've done in your past is covered in the blood. I'm talking to believers. Forgiven, free, holy, white, blameless. But somehow you let the devil continue to bring things in your mind and you crawl to the throne expecting God to go, mm, mm, mm. Or maybe you don't even go because you have so much of that going here. I challenge you, by the grace that Jesus has bought you with, go to the throne and start your prayers and God, you love me so much. You love me so much. That's a fact. Not because of I've done right today. I lived up to the standard I said. I've, re- I've done your requirements. I've kept this and I've done that. It has nothing to do with that. God, you love me and I failed miserably today. But God, you love me so much. That's why I'm here. You love me so much, God. That's why I'm going to ask you for this. You love me so much, God. I just want to love you back. I, I want to be obedient to you. Do you have that today? For goodness sake. 
Because this shouldn't be that hard. Christianity shouldn't be that much work and that much labor and that much misery is what we make it. It ought to be like, man, this is easy. You're telling me all God wants me to do is respond? To receive forgiveness? To love Him back? To just... Yeah, that's, that's what it says right there. That's what, it, that's what it says. Come up with your own religion. But this is what this says. Christianity is, God loves you so much. Won't you love Him back? So if you're here today and you're not a, a Christian, you're not born again, you're not excited about the Lord, you're like, I have no desire to follow Jesus, imitate Jesus. Maybe you look at that question, what does Jesus really mean to me? Eh, it's a church thing. Man, you're missing it. You've so been, you've so been robbed. And you've believed a lie. You believe all this religious crap is what it is. Rather than knowing the one who loved you more than anybody who will ever love you. Wouldn't it be awesome? It was awesome for me. I ought to, man, I ought to get some brownie points out of this mess. <laughs> the most awesome thing for me was when I finally come to a place, and it took some years, even after I was married, to come to a place to where I was settled and I know. And I says, my, my wife loves me, no doubt. It's such a good thing when you have somebody where you go, you know, I know my mom and dad love me. They have to. <laughs> she doesn't have to. For some reason she does. It's like, this is so good. It's like, if you don't have that kind of marriage, Jesus can give it to you. Joy, you're like, man, it's good. I've been married now for 27 years. 27, I think, no, it was 28. But it's like, man, I love it. I love, every day, I love them. My wife is the most important thing on the face of the earth to me, and I love being with her, love being around. You know why? Just because I know that I'm secure in the way that she loves me. And the most amazing thing that taught me that was when I come to that place to go, the Lord loves me so much. It blows my mind. Maybe that's no big deal to you, but for me, I know me. And just as I go, I don't know why she loves me because I'm ugly. Inside, I'm a whole lot uglier if you can even imagine that. The things in my life that is so unappealing to God. So ugly. And God met me at my ugly and He went, I'm going to change you because I, I love you. And I'm going to clothe you with garments of beauty and praise. And I'm going to give you a new heart and a new life. Man, if you don't have that, you know, I'm not asking you to come talk to me down front. If you want to, that's, that's great. Would you let that resound in your heart and mind and go, God, if you love me that much, I just, I just want you. I want mercy. I want grace. God's like, I, that's what I'm offering you. I'm offering you full pardon, full forgiveness. Wash it all away. Relationship, life, power, peace, purpose. That's what He offers you today. That's salvation. If you don't have that, why leave without it? Why, why leave without it? Oh, you can harden your heart. I'm going to do my thing, be my person, whatever. You missed the whole point. You'll die and go to hell if that's what you wanted to hear. Okay? But for those of you who want something great, man, He's got it for you. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the church. It's about knowing Jesus. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just bow before you today. I just, I thank you so much that you, that you love us, Lord, unconditionally.